All right, welcome to Old Town New World. We're here in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina at Millstone Pizza. And uh, we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of small town USA. No, okay. All right, so today um, we have, first of all, I must say, we have brought in uh, extra support behind the mic. Uh, Micah, wise silent Micah couldn't be here, so um, we've got a noisy uh, uh, Josiah behind the mic. You want to say hello, Josiah? Hello, Josiah. Well done. Well said. Well said. We also have with us today Mr. Bill Cronin. Hello, Bill. Hello. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Okay, so Bill is the economic development director for the city of Charlotte. That's correct, yeah. Wow, so we're, uh, it's an impressive title. It's an impressive position. Charlotte's a pretty big city. It from is. our perspective, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we're going to learn about you, learn about maybe some things you have going on in Charlotte, and then just kind of see where the conversation goes. Sure, sure. And, I, and I'll, I'll share with you, you know, being in a, um, in a small town, uh, you know, I think even big cities feel like small towns if you if you do them right. So I feel really comfortable here. But coming most recently from South Carolina, um, it's good to come this side of the border. You guys are uh, part of our workforce and uh, and really a part of Charlotte. Um, whether there's a South Carolina behind it or a North Carolina behind it, Amen. you're still part of that community. Yeah. Um, I came to Charlotte just in December of this last year. So uh, coming up on 10 months in this position, but I've been doing economic development for about 25 years. So um, where were you before Charlotte? Well, most recently I was the head of the uh, Red Cross in South Carolina. Oh, really? So that was a little break from wow. economic development. And as you know, we've had all these floods down there yeah, um, the last couple of weeks, which uh, my family's still in the Lexington area. So, okay. So, Are they uh, okay? Everybody okay? Yeah, thank you though for, yeah. for asking. But I do uh, I do sympathize for the American Red Cross and always ask people to continue to, to support them. Yeah. Uh, everything they do is dependent upon donations and and volunteers, but wow. um, they were going through a little reorganization at the time and needed someone to come in and uh, um, be the face of the organization right. and continue to instill confidence in the donors that things were going okay, yeah. um, even even through that restructuring that they were doing. So I had a pretty good Rolodex uh, there that I could you know, call the right people that needed to be called, could still keep the don donor level up, That's and right. at the same time uh, try to keep morale up as well too. Yeah. Um, the reason I had that Rolodex, though, is that uh, prior to um, uh, the Red Cross, I had I'd served uh, uh, a couple careers ago as the Director of Commerce for South Carolina. Oh, really? So my, I did not realize that. My first role in South Carolina from 07 to 11 was Director at the Department of Commerce. Wow. Uh, Another impressive title. They're all pretty good titles. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when they say, do you want a raise or a title, you should go for the raise. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But the, uh, um, so, so that's what brought me up originally to South Carolina. From? Was, for, was from Florida. So, Florida, uh, okay. Um, Florida's where I cut my teeth in economic development. Okay. Uh, I had spent about 10 years as a, uh, um, uh, as a, in the steamship industry. And um, steamship industry and sales and, and, you know, talking about containers on ships and shipping products all over the world. Okay. And uh, at the time, um, 
I had the whole Southeast as my territory. So I got okay. to understand business and what their needs were, which um, is really important. I think a lot of people, you know, when you're out there doing sales or sales or service, you're always worried about your product, your profit margins, things yeah. like that. But to be successful, you have to understand what businesses need to be successful oh, and yeah. then provide a solution. And with shipping, I mean, not just talking about that industry and that business, but that industry is like the linchpin between the world's economy That's and, exactly and right. our economy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my. Uh, uh, my background in school was international. I wanted to be all things international. I really had no clue what that meant. Right, yeah. Uh, you sounded sexy, It right? did. Yeah, you romantic, know, you, yeah. if you study international, make sure you study something that has, like, I don't know, finance to it yeah, or right. something. <laughs> you can't just be international. Right, you have yeah. to be international you, something. Even man of mystery, international man of mystery. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not sure that's a degree course, <laughs> yeah, but... It's a, it's a, but it's a good title. Yeah. Back to that, yeah. So we... Uh, yeah, the title, right? Yeah. So we... Um, um, moved to Florida from Michigan, and I really at that time didn't even know what um, what steamships were, what containers were. We didn't have big sh ocean shipping uh, um, ships calling our ports in Michigan and, right. and stuff. So, because I didn't have that awareness, I didn't have any baggage and didn't know anything about the industry. And um, a fellow about 92 years old hired me in my very first job, and he was very very frugal. And because he was frugal, I got to learn every single job in the business. Yeah, right. Because he wasn't going to yeah. hire anybody yeah, exactly, else. But yeah. uh, I like it, your positive spin on that. Oh, I, you know, you can only when you look back on things, you know, you, you yeah. tend to remember the good stuff yeah. and, Let and me forget ask you the about bad Michigan. stuff. Were you what part of Michigan were you? I grew up in a little town called Standish. It's up okay. by Bay City and Saginaw. Is that um, the UP? Yeah, yeah. So, so for the the listeners, we're 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 showing our hands, and all Michiganders, you know, kind of point to your hand yeah. to where you live. So. So uh, right at the base of your index finger, right okay, on Lake Huron okay. is uh, where I lived and, and went to Michigan State, um, had studied international business and Chinese, and oh, wow. uh, Tiananmen Square happened, yeah. and the doors to China quickly shut, and uh, my wife and I said, you know, uh, we were going to go West Coast, and we said, we've got some friends in Florida we'd visited every year for spring break. Okay. Let's try that out for a couple years, wow. and uh, we ended so, up so staying almost 20. Really? In yeah. Florida? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let me interject and ask this. I mean... Do you still, can you still speak Chinese? Dwei, Dwei, what we say, Indian jungle law. Is that real or are you just. <laughs> yeah, as far as you know. <laughs> yeah, right. as as, wow, that was impressive. Yeah. You're like, you sucker. <laughs> so, uh, it's actually, I'm leaving next, um, next Saturday for. Uh, China for three weeks to do really? a recruitment mission uh, wow. with the state of North Carolina. For Charlotte, yeah, uh, yeah. So Charlotte, Greensboro, and Raleigh will be participating in this, uh, along with the Secretary of Commerce from uh, North Carolina. Well, you, I'm sure, are uh, the leader of the group if you can speak. Uh, yeah, I can negotiate and yeah, and, and get some things done. Well, educate me when 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 someone says speak Chinese, is that is that Mandarin? Is that like how does that work? What language is that? Actually? So, so Mandarin is the uh, official language of China, and there's okay. several different dialects. Okay. Um, they call it the, the official or the common language, or, or the government language is Mandarin, okay. or Putonghua, the common language. Um, and that is generally what most people are speaking, except for Cantonese, you know, which is, you know, your restaurants, a lot of the restaurant okay, yeah. owners in the United States came from Fujian or Hong Kong area, and they speak Cantonese. Um, the beautiful thing about Chinese, if you can read and write, which I can, I'm largely illiterate in reading and writing, um, but the writing is the same, regardless of what dialect you speak. Oh, okay. So if you can't speak to each other, you can still write you to each other write. and understand each other. Wow. Yeah. 
So you're not doing the uh, dances with wolves like buffalo. No, Tatanka. no. Not, not doing not on that in the meetings. Anyways, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so. Okay, great. So we've covered several things I want to dig into a little bit here. We'll, we'll circle back around to them. So, so when you first came to South Carolina, it was it was for the Red Cross. Is that correct? Uh, no, to work for the Department of Commerce. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. Department of yeah. Commerce. Okay, so that's an economic development centric type of job. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So when you went to the you went th- from there to the Red Cross. Well, we missed another step. So, so let's. Uh, so, in Florida, I started in shipping, okay. and then uh, went into economic development. So, about the first ten years in Florida in shipping, and then I went to work for a really controversial organization called Enterprise Florida. Huh. And Enterprise Florida was the very first public-private partnership to replace a state agency. Really? And what they did is they took their their Department of Commerce, the Florida Department of Commerce. And replaced it with a public-private partnership. So this would have been 1996. Oh, that's way early for that kind of thing. It was, and 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 there was no one else had done it. So uh, because of that, we made lots of mistakes, and uh, we had about 37 states watching us to see what we do. And um, through the first, I don't know, five six years, we uh, we tried so many different approaches to um, telling our story, to not telling our story, to letting the locals tell our story, to you know, being the main point of contact for incentives to not being the main, we, we right, just tried right. everything and we morphed several times during that. But because of that, um, I really, that's where I really cut my teeth on economic development okay, gotcha. because because we tried so many things. And I ran um, the, the field office network for the state. So okay. we had six offices around the state and then we had 14 international offices. Um, did that for 10 years and then um, um, and then in 2007, uh, Mark Sanford recruited me to South Carolina. Wow, that is before his hiking trip he went on? This or is this during this his is, hiking trip? Well, his hiking trip happened while I was there. Did he call you from the, from the No, he trail? didn't call me when I was there, but we did set some appointments <laughs> for him. Uh, um, the year prior, we had a trade mission to Brazil and oh, Argentina. Oh, and. Uh, uh, we set him up with some folks at the embassy for some of those. I wouldn't use set him up as a term. Yeah. Well, yeah, Let's that's avoid uh, that yeah, term. Yeah, I don't want to see a <laughs> character of me with a pimp hat on yeah, or something right, on exactly. like that. But yeah, um, we did, we did, uh, we did set meetings. That still doesn't sound any better. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, that was during during uh, my time. So I was in his second term from seven to eleven. And uh, that, of course, is when we did things like uh, Google, uh, Boeing, um, uh, DuPont. We had some pretty good projects and wins during that time. So, so is your position the same one that Bobby Hitt is now in? Is he no, no, Bobby's secretary. Oh, um, he's secretary. So, um, so Ford Graham. Uh, okay. I hired Ford uh, fresh out of college, and uh, I'm sorry, he was becoming a real estate at that time, uh, but still fairly young to his career. And uh, actually sent sent Ford with uh, Mark Sanford, oh, Governor really? Sanford, <laughs> to Argentina. Um, that's a different story. But the, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a different podcast. Uh, <laughs> but he and you should invite him up as well. Ford is a great guy. Okay, great. Um, but he uh, he went on to run the Munich office and then came back and now has my position as okay. as director. So, so how does the secretary director relationship? So the secretary, I mean, explain that to me. Secretary is a appointed position. Okay. Um, um, I was at will, meaning that uh, one level below the secretary. Okay. Um, sometimes you stay through different administrations. Sometimes you go. It's up to the to, oh, okay, to the secretary gotcha. at the time, and you know what the feel is. I. 
i was probably very visible in the previous administration because of the nature of what we do right um we was had, bobby hit your boss at the time or was somebody else the secretary uh joe taylor joe taylor was, joe taylor okay. was secretary and then i stayed about six months through the transition uh with governor haley and bobby okay. hit so okay. i could work with bobby for some time and i knew bobby when he was uh uh, our stakeholder as well too when he was oh, with okay. BMW and also was the chair of the Upstate Alliance too. Okay, so yeah. we worked fairly closely together. Very cool. And uh, if we were ever negotiating incentives and things like that with BMW, it was Bobby. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Wow. Okay. Great. So, so out of that directorship position, you said there was an in between between that and the sure. So, so at the end of that, so 2011, um, um, when I left Commerce. Um, if you recall, we were still all kind of rebounding from the economic uh, crisis from 2008, 2009. In right. some states in the South, it took a little bit longer for that to sink in, especially South Carolina. I think we were a little late to that. Um, but because of that, I ended up with um, some great offers around the United States to, to, as an economic developer. If you were willing to, to pick up and move to another community, um, they were willing to pay. And, and, yeah. and especially if you were coming from the Southeast, in the area of recruitment too, right, because right. we are so strong on recruitment. Yeah. Um, but with all the offers that that summer, um, we we had the opportunity to just kind of weigh our options with each one of them. And uh, I'll tell you, one was Cincinnati, which uh, at the time um, had just lost its hub status with Northwest and Delta, the merger. Oh wow, yeah. And, so we're uh, talking airports here, which is lifeblood. It basically. really is. Yeah. Now that we look forward to where I'm at today, yeah. And um, um, my wife and I were sitting at the airport, and she's not an economic developer at all. And she, uh, she says, "Do you know that they lost 37 percent of their passenger traffic?" And I said, "Yeah." She goes, "That means that their headquarters are going to leave soon too." Wow! And I you're said, like, "Oh my God, I should hire you." <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, wow, you, you've been hanging out with somebody yeah, right. too long. Yeah. But dinner conversation, I yeah. guess. And uh, she says, "Well, why don't we go to where the flights are going to the, instead of where they're coming from?" That's genius. And, so, so Atlanta has, was one of the offers. So huh. um, Atlanta had gone through a period of not having um, a strong economic developer at the city level. Right. And they had uh, incentives that just were not being deployed because when projects were coming in, the local chamber was handling the project, but they weren't inviting the city. Oh, and, right. and, silos, huh? and the chamber represented 28 counties in oh Metro Atlanta. So. So you, know, you had people all the way to Alabama sitting wow. in on a project, but yet here we were the core of the apple, yeah. and we weren't sitting at the table. And was the, that just political kind of, con, I mean, like conflict, the personality kind of stuff? or? Well, I think uh, when you look at things for, for Atlanta, you know, one of their Achilles heels is, is uh, traffic, and the other one is education. Yeah. And you had a lot of people that were, were moving their facilities right to the outskirts. Right. So yeah. you saw a downtown area that was fairly empty in the perimeter. Yeah. yeah, so you had a uh, kind of rotting from the inside out. Yeah. And the uh, donut, you know, the donut effect. Uh, yeah. Doug Eccles here, the mayor here in town, talks all the time when he was get when he was rallying the community on uh, investing in the downtown and revitalization. He would use the donut. He would say, you know, no great cities are hollow at their center nope. in the nope. world. Yep. No great cities are hollow at their center. Yep. It's they're the core of the apple. Is the yeah. way I look at. It. You have to have that because the other in other ways say this you can't be a suburb of nowhere right exactly. you, know, you yeah, can't just be a point. suburb with no, yeah right just a no suburb, city. Yeah. Um, a suburb. Yeah. so we uh um we we took what was the atlanta development authority and had uh you know bonding authority had a lot of great tools that they could use 
rebranded it as Invest Atlanta, right. and that was my role. Was the uh, I was the senior vice president, and I was in charge of economic development for the city. So, so was that mostly public private? Run, that, or was it well, that was public, public but it was an authority. It was okay. a true authority, so um, they had the ability to bond. They uh, could do. We were the Atlanta Development Authority, the Downtown Development Authority, the Urban Residential Finance Authority, and the. Um, oh, we had another one in there as well too. It's a lot of authority. A lot of authority, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. we just were not flexing our muscle as it related to recruitment and. Yeah. And the, the other thing that they had been doing is they, they were doing a lot of fee-based deals that um, they had become fairly self-sufficient and they weren't using uh, tax dollars. So, you know, in economic development, the return on investment that you get when you invest in economic development doesn't come from the money I create. It's the money that the taxpayers create and right. pay in the terms of, of revenue, yeah. you know, to, to your, your increases in sales tax, your yeah. property taxes, all of those things are the return on investment. Yeah. So, so we had to actually go in and retrain um, the city government and city council um, to think that economic development isn't a situation where I'm going to create my own financing. Right. I'm going to do a service and you're going to pay for it. And yeah. it almost got to the mentality of here's your bill uh, right. for what we've done this year. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we, we did. We got that to the point where they understood it. They actually put it back into the budget, um, created a closing fund. And the wow. closing fund was so aggressive that um, it could even be used for, for upfront working capital for a company. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, so when the state was used needing local participation for a match for a big grant, yeah. they would come directly to us and say, okay, we've got this, do you want to participate? And we kind of trained them up too to say, you know, if you're thinking about a project, come to us first because you know we'd be willing to put yeah. the money in, you need us to. But, you know, knowing again companies' needs, it's that startup time that is the most important thing for them to get up and going, and that's where their costs, you know, the, the peaks are, the spikes on their balance sheet. Absolutely. Well, well. so so let me pause right there because um, I want to get into that and how that um, you're doing that in Charlotte, what you're doing in Charlotte and all that. That's a whole other conversation, mm -hmm. but I do have to ask this question. As you and your wife were looking at kind of why not to go to Cincinnati, did WKRP ever come into the conversation? <laughs> yeah. We would make a lot of jokes about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we sure. kept looking for the building where yeah. it was and stuff. And uh, um, you know that and Skyline Chili were, were probably their two big selling right, yeah. factors yeah. there. Uh, we grew up in the Midwest. It was an opportunity to get a little closer to home, but at that stage in career and really to have the opportunity to do some real urban development yeah. too because my background had been at the state level in Florida and at the state level right. in South Carolina. Um, Atlanta was what I really needed to round out my yeah. uh, background. So. so, you come to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Now we skip, we probably skip a couple. Just the American Red Cross. So yeah, okay. the American Red Cross brought me back to South Carolina and then uh, this opportunity came up in Charlotte and uh, I said I've been a competitor to Charlotte most of my life, so you study your competition. I knew, yeah, knew I knew the good, yeah. I knew the bad, because I would tell everybody the bad if I was selling against Charlotte, right, yeah, and course. it wasn't that bad. Yeah, so right, yeah. so we uh, so we said, you know what, this is an, a great transition for our family. It's just an hour and a half up the road, um, and and we know it. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's a growing city. The trajectory is really oh, good man. right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we were talking about airports. I mean. You, know, you look back in history, Rock Hill used to be bigger than Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, the International Airport changes every Yeah, that's you know, right. The whole city is built around that. I don't think yep. people really appreciate the impact. 
when you have converging interstates and an international airport, you have a metropolis. Right. You know what I mean? You just right. can't help it. Yeah. And I always use the example of the way actually that Rock Hill uh, was formed was um, the white family and the black family, and it's nothing to do with race. That's their last names. But they own, uh, that's why it's white street. The streets, black yeah, street, I noticed and that. Main yeah. Street. yeah. yeah. Um, the white family and the black family agreed to bring the train through here, but they said if you bring the train through, you have to put in a uh, depot. Mm -hmm. And where you have a depot, you have a town. Where right. you have a port, you have a town. Where that's you right. have an airport, you have a town. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it creates a village. That's you know? a, your center your center of your, your community. Yeah, that's it's right. connectivity to yep. something else, something yep. out there. So, you know, you go into Charlotte. Charlotte, when I grew up, Charlotte was becoming a donut. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That changed. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I forget, I forget how old I am, but however long ago, there started to be energy in trying to invest in the downtown. Right. You know, bring football down there, bring, you know, whatever down there. Right. And, and change the trajectory on that. And then I think what happened was surprising to everyone, maybe not, maybe there were people who knew this would happen, but while, yes, there's been success in kind of uptown's, uh, you know, uh, comeback, there's been this amazing, like, pop-up of all these little uh, areas, whether it's Noda or Central or uh, yeah. South End, or, that is really driving the kind of like, um, at least what's visible about the new Charlotte. Yeah. I know there's, and we'll get to a minute, in a minute about the, the big industry that's in Charlotte, but in right. terms of like the visible reboot of mm -hmm. the Charlotte mm -hmm. culture, yeah. it seems to be in these little communities. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think, uh, you know, we use the word transitional a lot. Sometimes it has a negative connotation right. because we're coming from an area that usually, you know, has seen its time and, and has gone from maybe even a blighted situation where people are coming back and reinvesting. Part of it is um, it's easy, it's cheap, it's an easy way to get into. You're not laying a lot of infrastructure. Um, there is something about the, the generation now. People really want that kind of gritty feel. Oh, they man. love that Amen. exposed red brick. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's something about the wholesomeness of that comes with that. And it's I not, think exposed brick is a metaphor for the new economy. Yeah, I think that'd be neat, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I if mean, we, really we coined that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Continue, please. Because we we hit, we literally have people that are building places and putting that red brick just to try to get to that exactly, look again. Exactly. But there is a there's a wholesomeness that's associated with yeah. that. It's pure. It's authentic. Yes. It's um, past and future. Yes. It's authentic. Authentic's the word. Really. Yeah. It's yeah. it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's not something that, you know, we're. I mean, we love our suburbs. We know that people like suburbs. They like big houses and big yards and you know the spec homes that all right. kind of look the same and stuff like that. But there is just something about those areas that have withstood time. And there's something about when our forefathers determined that those areas were important areas to be in originally. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere somebody decided those areas were where people should live. Yeah. And, and it was in recent years that we started looking at other areas, usually because we wanted um, land or things like that, but we also started losing um, our parks, for example. Yeah. So, so parks were areas where people come together and be communal and they would talk. Um, you got to know your neighbor. And that feeling of community was it gave you safety. You yeah. know, you if if you needed help, you'd go knock on your neighbor's door because you met them at the park. Yeah. Um, the kids knew each other from the park, and and I'm 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 not saying park is the only explanation, but there were those center city uh, items that drew people together. Absolutely. You go to some of these suburbs now, and again, people choose to be in these these lifestyles, but 
some of them don't know their neighbors, they don't know the person two down from them, and, and there's no indication that they even want to know them. And yeah. the community, the only thing that ties them together is that they like the same style house, and they might like the school that's associated with right. it. School well, really, drives it a lot. And the automobile drove a lot of that. I mean, back yep. in, you know, the whole kind of great white flight was enabled by the automobile. It's like everybody that had the money to, to have automobiles could move out to the suburbs, right. recreate a whole cl clean environment, and then drive into town and work and drive back out of town. Yeah, you know look what, what we've got now, though. I mean, we've got, we, we're, we as city, are putting so much money into infrastructure that has to do with automobiles yeah. now because of that, whether it's parking, whether it's streets and maintenance, yeah. whether it's air pollution. No, I hear you. Um, we've got congestion. We've got people who don't get to work on time because of productivity. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I left Clover. I dropped my son off this morning at 7 a.m. in Clover, and I had to be at uh, Fairview across the street from South Park for an uh, eight, at 8.30. It's an hour and a half later. Did you make it? I was late. <laughs> an hour and a half. Because of all these people by themselves in their cars. All of us yeah. were alone. Yeah. Each of us was alone yeah. in our little tube. I heard yeah. I heard an interesting statistic today that said something to the effect that uh, um, one-fourth of our income is going to automobiles and overhead. And the, the biggest tax break that you can give somebody is to find a way that they can get rid of a car. Yeah. So if you can find a way at the city level to get rid of maybe one of the two cars, because yeah. a lot of people have to have two cars now, that that's the biggest tax break you can give no, a I family. Hear you, man. I hear. You know, it's interesting. We I think that um, we let the the car become more important than the than people. And I know we're thinking, okay, well, we're trying to help people by building our cities around moving a car. But then it's all of our thinking is about how is that car going to move? How's yeah, that car going to move? That's right. And it's like, well, the cars might not even have people in them from all from right. the planner's perspective. They don't care if people are in the cars. Right. They're trying to move cars around. You'll hear more complaints about the pothole in the street oh, than you yeah. will about a swing set that's broken in well, the Well, I know a guy who's probably going to be the governor of South Carolina, and I heard him say, uh, if I could, what does he say? Hold on. If I could eat gravel, what did he say? If I could eat gravel and... Uh, what, what is the road made out of? Asphalt. Asphalt. If I could eat gravel and shit asphalt, I'd be the king of, of South Carolina. Yeah, well, I tell you, South Carolina has has over twice the amount of state-maintained roads than Georgia. And wow. Georgia's, what, two and a half the size? Yeah. Times the size of South geography? Got a problem. we got a problem with our roads. Yeah. Bridges, all that yeah. stuff. Well, time. I think... Uh, you know, I think there's going to be a wake-up call now, especially in light of these recent floods, that uh, you're going to have a lot of infrastructure that has to be replaced. Yeah. And you know, historically, most communities use gas tax to do that. Um, I suspect that you're going to have to see some increases, no matter what, in South Carolina yeah. to be able to afford the infrastructure needs, because I don't think the federal government is going to be enough to get South Carolina to where it needs to be, no, I hear especially you. in time. I mean, because it's, it's one thing to have the money to do it. The, the other thing is, at what point you start losing business because you didn't do it timely enough. No, I hear you, amen. I mean, so, so off the wall question, when do you think we can run a high-speed passenger train from Charlotte to Charleston? <laughs> I, would, I would love to. I think the, uh, um, the last couple times they've looked at it, they've looked at passenger counts and just couldn't, see it now I don't know the how they studied that to determine if that was a uh, good information or bad information because we're talking about 
roads, cars, bicycles, all modes of transportation. Right. And most of the time they measure these activities, they do it, they do it wrong in my opinion. Right, yeah. um, you see where somebody will put in a dedicated bike lane, for example, and then when they see nobody using it, they would say, oh, well, we definitely don't need any more of those. Right, yeah. And, well, they put them on a 55-mile-an-hour thoroughfare yeah, or something right, like that yeah. and wonder why nobody wants to use it. Yeah. I don't know how you can measure expected passenger traffic. I know, because some of it has to do with uh, behavioral change. Yeah. I mean, look at, like, Apple and the i-series. I mean, no... If Steve Jobs would have said, okay, how many people are currently using MP3 players, and that's going to... Decide whether decision? I yeah. create an iPod. Right. That would be he would have never done it. Right. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that uh, uh, Mayor Reed said when I worked for him in Atlanta, Kasim Reed, um, he really was on this uh, this kick that all big successful cities, the greatest cities in the world, have a water feature. And oh, what right. he was, he wasn't talking about a pond, a pond or a fountain. He was talking access to a river, right. or an ocean, or a lake. And if you look at it, he's, he's largely correct. Um, Charlotte you know, has, has a couple man-made lakes through yeah. dammed up rivers, just like all of South Carolina. Um, Atlanta doesn't have any either. And his proposal was if you put in a high-speed rail to Savannah, then the water feature was Savannah. Right, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. So, so why not the same for Charlotte? And, I'm telling uh, you, man, I think it's genius. And you know, one of the reasons why I think that it's gonna become increasingly important is we have spent a lot of time, energy, money, and effort on designing how things can move. Um, and, you know, we have a port in Charleston that is exceptional. Mm -hmm. uh, access to the world. Right. And then we have, especially with the Panama Canal thing mm -hmm. they have going on, that's going to be access to the whole the world. The post-Panama ships, that's yeah. right, yeah. Now we have, we have Charlotte, which is a huge economy. Right. So if you connect the biggest economy anywhere around here, to the port that has access to the world. Right. Well, we do that with um, the ability to move things, but the new economy is about people. That's right, yeah. So when do we start thinking about our ability to move people? Right, no, yeah. that's absolutely right. And and doing it not just efficiently, but doing it in a way that people connect and be able to talk and and um, and, and have have relations that are beyond just the business relations. Yeah. We've done a lot, and I think you alluded to it, a lot of it has to do with business, you know, commerce. Yeah. Um, and, and our language is all about commerce, but when it comes to really um, making something livable, it has to do with interpersonal relations. Yeah. And um, you can have, you know, people making money all day long, and, and that's what we do. You know, as yeah. economic developers, we want to see businesses grow. But if the people that live there aren't happy, and if they're not connecting, yeah. then what differentiates us than any other place in the world? We yeah, just become a, a box. Okay, so let's, so let's take that as a launching point, and let me ask this question. I'm always fascinated with, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with um, communities that are revitalizing their downtown. Mm -hmm. And then I spend a lot of time um, hearing uh, folks talk about, you know, the, 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 major employers so you know talking about people that employ lots sure. of people invest lots of money yeah so you know there's been this kind of disconnect between like i mean okay a pizza place moves in yeah it's pretty cool but they employ what seven eight twelve sure. people right. i mean you know like what so how does the big connect to the to the small right is right kind of my question yeah so there's um i think historically you've seen a lot of people that have justified 
recruiting the big companies to a state or a community and offering lots of incentives and saying, okay, those jobs are going to create other multiplier jobs or secondary and tertiary jobs through the spin-off. And the, like the, services related jobs. Well, that's the point is, yeah, lots of times it, you'll hear the analogy, well, they're going to buy more gas in their car, right, yeah. there's more service jobs and things like that. And, uh, and, the, um, and more often than not, they're talking about the really low-level jobs. Right, right, right. You know, when you talk about service jobs, there's only a few that have that potential to, to offer tiers of opportunity for, yeah. for somebody rising up in the workforce. Um, we can't just rely on the spin-off effect right. to create those. You have to, as a city, look at the medium, uh, not just the entry level, not just the high end, but you got to focus on the medium level. And, and Charlotte's going through this issue right now with, with trying to um, determine where those tiers are of opportunities for people to, to have true social mobility yeah. going up in there. Because the more that you um, recruit some of these larger companies, especially the, the high paying ones. So we've, as economic developers, our mantra has always been um, higher paying jobs. And the idea was that the, that would have a spin-off and have secondary and tertiary jobs because they were higher paying. But what's happening is, We'll go recruit a company, let's say 500 jobs, they're all $100,000 and above. Well, $100,000 is enough to get somebody to move from another community right. to here. So when an employer, thank you, when an employer looks at, um, do I hire the local people here, or do I hire this person that may be higher skilled that's willing to move from another area, um, and they may be moving from a higher cost area, so they're willing to do it maybe yeah. even cheaper. Right. Um, and they're going to be happy coming here, coming from a higher cost area, they're going to always go with that person and they're not going to hire the people we need them to that are already in our already community. Here. But it's good to have that new person here too though, right? It is. I mean, you've got some talent, you've got some things that they bring to it that we don't have. And, you know, if, if, if we're the smartest people in the city, we're only as smart as we are. Right. You know, if we bring other people here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then you've r rose up a level. Yeah. But at the same time, if you leave behind the people in the city right, yeah. and you don't give them the opportunity for some of those jobs, they're always going to be at that level. So the way that social mobility is measured now is what kind of, uh, if you're born in a community, what's the opportunities that you have versus somebody born in another community? Right. And because Charlotte is such a growing uh, uh, community that has people moving here all the time, a lot of the new jobs are going to people moving here. And a lot of the people who already were in Charlotte aren't getting some of those new jobs. Yeah. So, so that disparity, um, it'll be a while before the people who moved here have kids and then they have those opportunities and, and it changes that social mobility. But again, finding those mid-level tiers. So what I've been really pushing hard lately is when we've got a company that may not be paying you know, 125% of the local average wage, that they're offering something maybe even lower, right. that we take a hard look at them because they may be filling some of those 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 mid-level tiers yeah. that we really need for people to go from entry level to work their way up. You know, it's interesting. I see a lot when I go to communities. I see, um, you know, folks that are kind of like in my situation here in my community where they're focused on the downtown revitalization, they're focused on the like little tech companies, right. they're focused on the you know, craft beer and, you know, and the stuff that looks cool. And trendy, all that stuff. yeah. Yeah, trendy, you know, it looks cool and all that stuff. And then, and then, you know, you, you of course, I meet with the, uh, you know, the county economic development folks, and they have a lot of times 
little to no interest in that whatsoever. They're looking at uh, recruiting internationally. They're looking at 500 jobs, 700 right. jobs. You know, they gotta they gotta get the jobs going. Like they got a bigger thing that they're dealing with. And then, and then, you know, there's a, there seems to be silos and disconnection between between those folks in a lot of communities yep. that I go to. And then, you know, I look at like I went to Maryland and to speak. And when I got there. I was going to Salisbury, Maryland. I was about to speak about economic development, downtown revitalization, all that stuff. When I got there, the headline of the paper that morning was 500 people laid off at this factory that made Chinook helicopters, right, yep. moving to Texas. And, you know, all those 500 employees aren't going to become web developers. I mean, no. You know, I mean, they're not going no. to move no. into so what do you do craft with them? beer right. people, you know. Right. Yes, but, and then they also don't want to, like, wash cars and deliver papers. No. I mean, so, so you know, I think is it is it a role that you could play or are playing in in at the city level in Charlotte to connect uh, like n- you know the little th- seems that things that seem little like in Noda and South mm-hmm. End to the uh, county level bringing in the right. big big employers. I know right. you're talking about creating a middle level tier, yeah. you know, but I mean, do you do you have so in other words, do you have three? Like, okay, we're going to try to support small businesses to revitalize our little districts. We're going to support middle-level businesses, and we're going to work with the county on international recruitment. Is that the approach? Well, actually, actually, um, we're we're involved in every one of those. So okay. my, and, and maybe I should have said this at the beginning. So my my responsibility is is the recruitment. Okay. Um, it's the retention. So it's it's also the re, uh, revitalization, redevelopment. So like TIF districts and okay. things like that. Um, it's also working with small business and entrepreneurship, international trade and foreign direct investment, and then also business inclusion. So like NWSBE participation with city contracts and yeah. things like that. Um, so so luckily, I get to see each of those. Uh, it, it just within my role and responsibility. That's Most great. places aren't that lucky that um, that they can see the full spectrum. Have you seen um, more collaboration between those things since you've gotten there? Yeah, here? yeah. As a matter of fact, we had some silos ourselves, and yeah. and I looked at even our international department, for example. I said, "Hey, listen, you've got the international stuff here, export trade counseling. That's small business development. That's helping them to expand and find other you markets." You said, "Listen, I speak Chinese. <laughs> Let me start yeah. with that." Well, they knew they knew right away they weren't going to be able to keep me out of their department. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Uh, they were like, "Oh, great." Yeah. They're, yeah. They're like, okay, he's going to sit here all day <laughs> yeah, long. Right. But so, so the foreign direct investment fits nicely with the business recruitment. Um, the small business on the, the export counseling fits nicely together. Um, the entrepreneurship, you look at incubators, um, that works really closely with what we do with revitalization and area. When we get go into an area, do we need to do things like put down fiber yeah. and stuff like that? Um, yeah. What is it that's going to create that, what Richard Florida says, that creative class? How are yeah. we going to get them here um, we did a study we're getting ready to unveil tomorrow um, a glimpse of it it will be fully unveiled November 17th it's called the Charlotte entrepreneurial growth report okay and it was really kind of taking a baseline study of what we have here and I'll share with you one of the things that we're lacking is more ideas and innovators really so we've got uh, we've got incubators that are busting at the seams you know, we've got the entrepreneurial aspect to it and the people that want to take it to market but what we really need is more ideas. If we want to get to the point of, of um, the rest of the southeast even, let yeah. alone Austin and, 
in Boston is, and places like that. Is it because like they're that. not here or because y'all don't have the channels to hear them? Or like, how, how is there not ideas? Well, some of it's not here. Some of it, I believe, is cultural. Okay. Um, and I'll be the first to say, you know, we're, our history comes from a very risk-adverse background oh, yeah. from finance. So, right. yeah, you know, you go to California where people are... You know, they embrace failure. You're, yeah, you, right. you know, and, a, and a trumpeneur has to fail, what, 100 times before yeah, they're right. successful? That, you know, they named 409, you know, that's great. They named it that because it was a 409th time. They, they, yeah. they yeah. So that's a, that's a prime example, yeah. you know, where, where you come from the, the, the financial industry. You know, one failure, you're, you're fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you're out, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the, the culture hasn't really been embracive of that. But we do very have, conservative culture. We, we're very conservative, very exact and intentional right. in what they do. Yeah. And because, of, now that's not to say we can't operate with that. I mean, we can look at focusing on, for example, Department of Defense contracts. We can focus on FinTech, you know, financial technology. Yeah, right. That, that really depends on that degree of intentionality and doing stuff. Um, and, and with the backgrounds that we have and the fiber and things like that, we can do that. But we are not, we'll never be in Austin or a Boston right. or one of those places that people identify with, you know, that kind of funky uh, undercurrent that goes along with yeah. entrepreneurship. So we're going to have a different kind and we need to, to find out what that is and then um, expand on that and make sure we, we continue to provide um, the right soil conditions yeah. for them to grow and do well. Well, um, growing up in Rock Hill, I grew up in Rock Hill, and um, Rock Hill has had an inferiority complex in Charlotte for a long time. Yeah. Now, Rock Hill, you know, grew up as a mill town and all that stuff, so blue-collar mill town and all that stuff. Right. But um, it, it was ingrained in my experience growing up here uh, that everything in Rock Hill was inferior to everything in Charlotte. And, um, and and when I went, actually spent my last two years of high school at a private school in Charlotte, mm -hmm. in Charlotte Latin. Oh yeah, and um, great pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't quite as amazing as it is now when I was there, but it was still amazing. Yeah. But so anyway, when I went there, it was reinforced to me that okay, so it's not just us that think we're less than Charlotte; they think we're less than Charlotte too, because we were the butt of every joke <laughs> there, and it was just my personal experience. So, mm. but it. I wonder, like, why are you, you, you've been, you came down here with a group who wanted to hear from us, learn from us, talk to us. You've driven down during freaking, ha uh, not happy hour, but <laughs> rush hour, rush hour yeah. to come down here to be on this little dinky podcast. We got yeah. like two listeners. You probably don't even know we don't even have, we got two listeners and Josiah's one of them. <laughs> and you came down here to be on the, and you're the economic development director of the city of Charlotte. It's Why? important. It's Why? important. It's and important. let me tell you, you're, you are part of a bigger ecosystem and there's no one that can just look at political boundaries and say, um, we have to ignore this area. We have to compete with this area. There's some things that we know we're going to compete on just because of the way states work and the way the legislature funds things. But when we look at workforce, workforce is regional. We share a workforce. Yeah. We share the people that, and I mean, there are people that uh, I walk next to every day at, at my office that are from Rock Hill. Yeah. You know, so it's not a question of, you know, it's a different world or something like that. It's our friends and neighbors. Yeah. And, um, the other thing that, that you're in a different situation where for the longest time Rock Hill has been a bedroom community yeah. and rooftops cost a lot more to manage from a city's perspective than industry. Right. 
Right. Um, well, especially since our inverted tax situation is acting nice. That's ridiculous. That's true. Yeah, and so, so you got the double whammy there. Yeah. And um, I've always said it. You know, you are, you or or Stephen Turner or David Swenson are justified in being more aggressive sometimes to get something on this side of the border to offset that, so you don't have to pass the tax burden on right. to the residents. But what it equates to is a better quality of life for the workforce yeah. and the workforce doing something better. So if the workforce is coming to Charlotte because um, because they have a better opportunity there, that's one thing. If they're coming there um, because there's no opportunity here, then, then they've got to look at right, yeah. how do we get an opportunity here? Yeah. Because that won't, that's not sustainable. Yeah. If they continue to go um, somewhere else because they don't have something where they live, yeah. something's going to break there. Either they're going to have uh, real discontent or malcontent towards your community, or they'll pick up and move. Yeah. And, and that doesn't work either. I think uh, um, you know, we are a region and a community, yeah. and if you fail, um, that's a big part of our workforce as well, and, and the innovation and everything that comes out of here yeah. is still part of the ecosystem. See, that's great. I, you know, our, our little company, Josiah and I are at Revenflow, we got other other folks here with us. Um, the, you know, in the past, I guess, four years, the only people that have left our company were driving down from Charlotte every day. <laughs> See? Yeah. So, so, so it goes the other way, too. Yeah. yeah so we right. thought we were the champions of bringing traffic the other way down right. 77. But the point is, nobody really wants to have to leave their community to go to a different community right. to work and then return back to their community yeah. and deal with the transition of that. I mean, a community is... A place that you exist, and, and that means work, live, talk, you know, hang out, work, whatever. live, play. Yeah, work, that's play. right. Yeah, that right. is what community is. Right. You know, so I, I think that. Um, but on the other hand, you know, like I, I, I try to help folks around here understand that we don't need to be saying we don't need to be fighting in Charlotte. I mean, that's the worst strategy. Like one of the best things about being in Rock Hill is that if Dixie and I want to go, Dixie, my wife, you know, if Dixie and I want to go to. Um, a first class theater performance. We just drive up to Charlotte to right. see it. We want to go to uh, uh, NFL football game. We drive up to Charlotte to yep. see it. We want to go to Capitol Grill. We just go to Charlotte, you know. But we're not in Charlotte every day. We don't deal right. with all that stuff. Right. And and that is a lifestyle choice, and it's a huge benefit. And for there to be that job market and all those opportunities right up the road, mm -hmm. and we can be down here by choice. I mean, that makes this a better place. Yeah, you know? I think in in the same could be said for. Uh, Gaston it could be said for Ballantyne area of yeah. Charlotte. It could be said um, for Morrisville or Huntersville or any of those areas. They all kind of have that same um, feel of, of this is our family. Yeah. And and you know if if somebody invited me from one of those communities, I would go as well too. Just oh, come on now! You're ma you're making me as a girl. Well, you're making to, me not feel special. They would have to. <laughs> they would have to invite it to a brewery or somewhere oh, okay, like that good. too. But right, I think good. the. Uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people um, would secretly desire to have a position like the old days, the old you know, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, yeah, right. where you were a part of the community, you contributed to the community, where you lived, um, and everybody you know, knew that all of these things existed within your area. You didn't have to depend on someone else. We've had a long history in the South of having people come down and exploit our labor, and send their profits somewhere else. Right, we yeah. had them set up either textile mills or manufacturing mills, send their money out of town, yeah. not invest in the employees here. I think people would love to see 
you know, someone that is here um, investing in the community and employing people in the community instead of sending it elsewhere. Yeah. And I think that just behooves all of us to focus on our local community, where we are, and making sure that it's a good place for our children to live, too. Well, you know what? I got um, David Bradley from um, State School is bringing down, uh, he's a, the chamber director of, mm -hmm. of uh, State School. He's bringing down, I went up there and spoke to that crowd and uh, got to meet the mayor and all that crowd, and they were very excited about my ideas and all that. They want to come down to Rock Hill see what we're doing. They're coming down tomorrow for lunch. Oh, cool. Isn't that cool? cool. Yeah. Same way y'all came yeah. down? Yeah, yeah. And we're going to kind of host them in a similar kind of fashion. So I love the, um, I'm good, Taylor, thank you very much. I love the, um, just the collaborative spirit yeah. you know, that seems to be happening. And so, Bill, I want to thank you again for, for coming down. I, I think that, um, you know, I love when people uh, transcend their, uh, their titles and experience and I say that because you know man it is it is a thing I mean I you know people are busy you're a busy person I mean you have a lot of responsibility as people you know get impressive jobs they manage a lot of responsibility that makes them very busy it's very difficult the fact that you would come down here and meet with us we're very honored and uh, appreciative the fact that you're just easy and cool to talk to is very good and I send this out as an open invitation I will tell David and Statesville that you said that you'd be happy to go Absolutely, to any yeah. of these communities. Yeah. No, I think, uh, and again, thank you for, for having me. I think yeah. uh, um, we, let's make it a habit to continue to, to, to do this and have this dialogue and, and continue to see each other grow in this role. Because, I mean, if it's if it's just me, it's only as smart as me. And this is what you're doing is, is where the rubber really hits the right, road. Right. Well, thank you. And it's, it's been an honor to have you here. And, uh, We'll finish these beers after we, Josiah turns off the mic. Josiah, you want to say any last words of wisdom? Uh, I do have some more, have some questions for Bill about the black helicopters, but I'll ask them off the record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well said, well said. Chris, edit that out. <laughs> All right. Chris, don't, <laughs> don't, don't interfere, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is our editor, by the way. All right, anyway, I guess we'll uh, see you next week on Old Town, New World. Thank you, Bill. All right, awesome. Goodbye, guys.